you're listening to the Aim to Win podcast. I'm Wade Thomas, and I believe that every one of you has a wealth of potential just waiting to come out. And I'm here to help you reach that potential. So now, here's the Aim to Win podcast. Welcome to the Aim to Win podcast. I'm Wade Thomas, and today I'm delighted to have with me Sean Blaze. Sean accelerates the growth and awareness of leaders so that they can build and sustain a more positive and profitable workplace culture. Leadership occurs one interaction at a time, and Sean teaches leaders how to be more intentional about having more effective interactions in person and virtually. His engaging conference keynotes, interactive team building events, equip you and your team to become more effective leaders. As a successful coach and educator for over 20 years, Sean gained valuable insights into developing winning teams and found a great results team building to share those lessons. Sean's four books, The Unexpected Leader, Rapid Teamwork, The Ten Commandments of Winning Teammates, and Staying Coachable are entertaining parables with powerful takeaways for team growth and leadership development. So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you very much, Wade. Very much excited to be able to share with you and your audience. So I have one question I always get started with so that uh, everybody listening knows who's talking to them. And that is, tell your story. How'd you get here and uh, where are you going? <clears throat> Pull up a chair. Let's talk for a while. No, that is a fantastic. And I love that question because that's one of the questions I'll use when I'm actually speaking with people at an event, Wade, is, you know, kind of tell me a little bit about your path. You know, what's your story? How'd you get here? And I think that that gives you not just an insight into some of their previous experiences, but maybe some of their appreciation and awareness of the key points that have kind of been part of that journey. And so uh, to answer your question and to hopefully uh, introduce myself to your audience a little bit, I will tell you, I started off as a high school literature teacher and basketball coach 30 years ago. Uh, and for over two decades was in classrooms and locker rooms and about 10 or 12 years into my coaching career, I realized I was not the leader that I needed to be. Uh, and had had a couple of pretty specific examples of experiences in locker rooms and in games and interactions with you new know, players and, and one team in particular that were really the catalyst for me to begin to look in the mirror and, and ask myself, okay, what is it that I'm missing? I was doing everything that I knew to do, but we weren't getting the results that I believe that we should. And I think that that's sometimes why leaders will contact me and, and I'm sure you as well for coaching or for event stuff is, you know, we're missing something. I, I don't see what we're missing. How can you help us? What can you provide? And, and so that was really the catalyst for me to begin looking for ideas and activities and insights to build culture and to be a better leader, to improve some of our teamwork and interactions. And that journey led me to not just improving our team, but ultimately using a lot of those tools and things that I've picked up since then to help other leaders in their journey to be more effective and to get great results. Excellent journey you have there. <laughs> you put out a few books. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your latest book? Yeah, well, uh, you can imagine my background as an English teacher. You know, one of the things that I was always hopeful to do was to be able to share not just an entertaining and engaging story. Each of my books are parables. Uh, so hopefully they're an engaging read. But more importantly, as you read through that, whether you're a team leader or a team member, uh, that gives you an opportunity to be able to digest and then apply some of the really powerful kind of takeaways that are inspiring the content. And so uh, my most recent book, 
I actually have here very uh, um, conveniently. Most recent book is Staying Coachable. And obviously the background in coaching is significant, but far more importantly, you know, a lot of my audiences at conferences and a lot of the people that I work with in organizations for events, they don't have an athletic background. Uh, for example, one of the things I'll ask in another message is, you know, speaking specifically about what it means to be a great teammate. You don't have to have been in athletics to have had really good teammates, whether it's family or friends or in an occupation in a workplace. There are people that have poured into you that have made things better, that have had a positive impact. That you, you when you hear that question, you probably had a person's name pop into your mind. Well. That kind of led me to thinking about one of those 10 commandments of winning teammates is to stay coachable, to look to continue to improve. And, uh, and I'm sure it's not just you and me. I absolutely know that your listeners uh, have experienced over the last 24 to 30 months a, a little bit of change. And so how do you actually deal with change first as a leader? And then more importantly, how do you helpfully inspire your team to not be annoyed by and resistant to change and opportunities for growth or improvement? How do you help them to be more um, committed to applying some of the ideas and being greedy and grateful for feedback and opportunities to improve not just their performance, but obviously contributing to something larger than themselves? So staying coachable is really a story with four specific questions that can be used by individual leaders and then with their teams to help them to, uh, to be more successful in change. So <clears throat> as a leader, how do you deal with change? What kind of thought process do you use? <laughs> well, I can tell you not very well early on. And I think that I probably had a very, very similar experience that a lot of leaders do and that as a young leader, I was really good as a disciplinarian. And I knew X's and O's and I knew strategy. I knew what we wanted to do. And I didn't realize early on that culture is going to either support or sabotage your strategy. And, uh, and early on, the culture that I built, because I was that command and control, you know, here are the rules, here's the expectations, this is where we go about it, this is what you need to do to make sure that we're getting better. Uh, that command and control was far less effective than I wanted to be. But at the time, I didn't see the issue because that's all I was aware of. Uh, and so it's much later in my coaching and leadership journey that you begin to see and learn about and begin to implement opportunities to not just connect with people, but more importantly, to be curious. And that curiosity uh, inspires not just the empathy that I know you and your coaching you know, uh, conversations really focus on, but the idea of how do you use that curiosity to allow other people to be inspired by their desire to improve instead of feeling like they're being pushed. Because, you know, again, there's that uh, very, very common activity where you know, when you push somebody, the, uh, the tendency is for them to push back. And so how do you get beyond that to where you're actually working with somebody instead of um, in conflict? Yeah, I, I love that idea of curiosity. You know, that's it's such a powerful tool in the leadership realm. So connect the dots a little bit. How, how does that curiosity, how do you transfer that curiosity to the team? Well, I think that the problem that people have individually when they look in the mirror and they're honest with themselves, and then when they look at their team is uh, they sometimes see that they are suffering from complacency. You know, no matter where you're at, the, the success that you've achieved, Wade, the success that your listener 
has achieved who's listening to this podcast now, that success is absolutely owing to the fact that at some point in their past, they were coachable. They were willing to change. They wanted to be better. And when I say the term coachable, those those are the two things that are really kind of the the definition of what it means to be coachable. You want to be better and you're willing to change. Now, in an event, when I was speaking, you, know, you ask that question, who here wants to be better? Every hand in the audience goes up. When you get to the second part of the equation, all right, who here is excited about change? There's far fewer hands that go up, obviously. And so that's obviously the, uh, the issue that sometimes people have is they have assumed for whatever reason, because of their experiences, that change is an uncomfortable and bad thing. And certainly it can sometimes be uncomfortable because it's something we're not familiar with. But I guarantee you that you love change. Let me prove it to you. How would you like tomorrow for me to triple your salary? So when we see the benefit of change, you know, we're raising our hand, yeah, we're all in. And so that idea of uh, how do you hopefully use curiosity to inspire some of that change was really the key beyond the story staying coachable. And it is how do you use questions first to enroll and, and implement yourself some of those changes that are going to improve your behaviors and get better results with your people. And then just as significantly, how do you use that curiosity to ask questions of your team? And I think the first question is always the most important. And when you learn to lead through better questions, you're not just leading yourself better, but you're leading your team. So that first question I'll go ahead and kind of jump into is what specifically do you want? Because I think that that is as simple as it sounds, a really difficult question sometimes for people to you really clarify and identify and define what is that thing that I'm here to accomplish? What is that achievement that I want to be proud of? What is that mountain that I want to climb? What is that result that I want to have? That's a, a powerful question. And uh, <clears throat> something else you said that kind of resonated a bit is uh, being greedy for feedback. Yeah, I mentioned, you know, there, it, it's really easy to be annoyed by advice, but, mm -hmm. you know, people who are coachable are intentionally greedy and grateful for opportunities to grow. And, uh, and that's something that I think you see in the leaders that listen to your podcast and the people that come to you for coaching and the people that come to me for events and trainings and keynotes, you know, anybody, anyone who is, is really, you know, serious about personal growth and team growth and improving results is always going to be greedy and grateful and seeking opportunities to be better themselves. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a site, you know, it's eight 30 in the morning as I'm recording this. And it's the second time I've had this conversation today um, on this very issue. And, you know, as a leader, you're, first of all, you have to be greedy for feedback yourself. So what happens, it's a tough thing. Most people, you know, are not greedy for feedback. It's uh, threatening. Advice is threatening. How do you get your people to be more greedy for feedback? Well, I think part of that is honestly owing to where are we on our, you know, kind of growth cycle as individuals and leaders. I uh, had an interesting conversation just a few days ago with someone uh, who had mentioned a book that's going to be coming out by a sociologist. And, and one of the key takeaways is basically that if you're between 47 and 56, the one thing that you crave more than anything else is honest and specific direct feedback. Because some, you know, again, as, as teammates and leaders, sometimes one of the most difficult things for people to give us is honest, 
unfiltered feedback because we tiptoe around each other instead of being honest and helpful. And I think that that desire for, you know, sometimes what might be, you know, a little bit you know, of a sting and something that might be a little bit, ooh, that, that hurt a bit, but we're willing to take that because we know that it's going to significantly increase our effectiveness if we can take away those blind spots. The issue is a lot of times younger leaders are far more concerned with comfort and they don't want to see the things that might be uncomfortable to see or to hear the things that might be uncomfortable to hear. And that specifically is the experience I had, you can imagine, with high school athletes, very similar to a lot of younger you know, people who work for us on teams or with us in organizations, you know, that a lot of times youth is seeking for validation and support instead of opportunities to see where those gaps might lie. How do you help them get over that? <laughs> well, uh, uh, early on, uh, you, you again, you command and control and you push and you experience pushback and you complain about resistance and you refuse to look in the mirror and realize that you're the problem. Uh, and so hopefully as we get a little bit older, we realize that it's the person in the mirror who's responsible for making things better. And, uh, and that idea of beginning to ask yourself those questions, um, you know, not for my team, you know, we'd be so much better if Bob would be better. We'd be so much better if Susie would just fill in the blank. And I realized that Bob and Susie are both going to be better if the person staring back at me when I'm shaving was better first. If I did a better job of enrolling them and connecting with them and getting them to be curious instead of feeling like they had to push back with resistance against me. And so that was the first key thing for me is if I want to change the interactions I'm having with my team, I need to first change how am I approaching them and what is my awareness? What is my belief system in terms of the behaviors that I'm bringing to those interactions? Um, and so that first thing is important. You know, what do you want? Because every player that ever played for me, every person in your organization, there's something that they want. They're there because that role is helping them to fulfill some need. And maybe it's just financial. Hopefully it is something more, you know, filled with meaning and impact and purpose. But that sense of what do you want is the first question. The next question is where are you? And you know, so if that first question is all about establishing a hunger wage, you got to be hungry to want to improve. The second question, uh, again, back on you leading with questions and curiosity, the second question I think is equally important and simple, but really difficult to answer sometimes is where are you? Because a lot of times we want to filter that response um, by making excuses for our present numbers, by making excuses for our present productivity instead of acknowledging and admitting this is where I'm at and I may not be happy with it, but that sense of honesty allows me to see the difference between where I am and where I would like to be. And it is honestly that gap between the two, that cognitive dissonance, I know you're familiar with the term, is that gap that allows people to want to look outside themselves for insights and opportunities to close the gap and give themselves a chance to do more than just what they've always done. So it kind of starts with self-honesty. <laughs> I think everything does, right? You know, if you don't improve your awareness of, you know, what impact you're having, if you're not honest about looking in the mirror clearly, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to look in a foggy mirror because you don't need to see those imperfections that you need to fix. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what were some of the other lessons that you learned from uh, coaching athletics? 
Well, again, it's, it's been amazing to me in working with organizations, whether it's medical or whether it is in terms of the technical field or banking or construction, regardless of the field, everything that occurred in my locker room in terms of building culture applies to those other individuals because people are people and teams are teams and cultures are cultures and they all experience a lot of the same issues and they all are built to be healthy and productive if you'll focus on the same things. Uh, and specifically in terms of change management and helping people to want to continuously improve, that idea of, of asking questions is key, uh, not just what you want and where are you, but I think that the third question that really focuses upon humility, we're going to be willing to be humble, Wade, when we've identified there's a gap between where I want to be and where I am based upon my current tools. I wanted to be as a coach a whole lot better. And I started reaching out to other coaches when I realized that all that I knew, all that X's and O's and the strategy stuff that I was so blank and proud of, that that wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be, that there was something missing. And it's only when I was willing to look outside myself uh, that I was willing to humble myself and begin to ask, you know, what is, you know, a weakness that I need to admit? And that's the third question that would kind of be part of that process of staying coachable. Uh, what's that weakness that you need to admit? And, and oftentimes, admitting that weakness gives you permission internally to then not just seek out and ask questions of mentors, but to appreciate and to apply some of the advice that maybe you're already getting. You know, you've, I'm sure you've heard the term, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's been my experience that when the student is ready, they'll notice the teacher who has probably been there for a while, but frustrated trying to share. Yeah. So, so as a leader, oftentimes you'll notice the weaknesses before the uh, <laughs> leading. Uh, is there a way to push them along? Again, I, I think that question, you know, sometimes the most powerful feedback you get is from people who see what you don't and to give them permission to share their perspectives. You know, what do you see me doing that you feel like might be hurting our team? When you ask questions that give people chance to share their perspective, you know, here's a funny activity that I've shared with a leader a couple of times in the past is the next time you go into a team meeting, admit a weakness that you just discovered about yourself. And what you're going to find is there's nothing but laughter in the room, whether it's hybrid or remote or in person, because they already know it. It's just, it's taken you a long time to acknowledge and admit it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's powerful when you, um, it's also a good way to just set the example. Absolutely. And, and to create that safe space where people feel uh, like it's okay to admit a weakness and to lean on the strengths and perspectives of others. I think that's absolutely a key takeaway. So what are some of the biggest issues that you see when you're working with an organization or with individuals? What, what, are, what are some of the things you're dealing with these days? Well, you know, you mentioned with an organization or individuals, and I love you know, because organizations are nothing but individuals. You know, part of one of my talks is, you know, there's no I in team. And I completely disagree because every team I've ever coached is made up of a whole bunch of eyes who are first and foremost concerned about him or herself. And it's the same way in organizations. Every person in an organization is a leader because they have an impact and an influence on the behavior of others. And so where that's positive or negative is up for debate. But that idea of leadership, that's something that every member of your organization needs to own. 
You don't want employees, you want owners who see themselves as impactful and influential members of a team who is seeking to accomplish something meaningful together. Uh, but you know, one of the things I think that is most important in helping to bring about some of that awareness in the individual, starting with the named leader or the positional leader, that person that does have authority, and then trickling down to the others in the team when they begin to see the impact is, again, that, that sense of curiosity, not just where we want to be and where are we now, uh, what weakness do I need to admit? And then most importantly, all of those are worthless unless you ask that fourth question. And the fourth question deals with habits. And it very simply is, what will we do differently? As a leader, we weren't better as a basketball program until I decided to do something to all that research I had done, all the conversations I had had, all the awareness that had improved within me didn't affect our team until I started having different interactions. And so I started asking questions instead of pushing and, uh, and commanding and controlling. And so that idea of you know, what are those habits that we're going to implement first individually and then together in terms of defining expectations and you know, setting standards of commitments for ourselves and how we're going to go about implementing these ideas to get us to that place that we've said is where we want to be. That's the key thing is what are those habits that you'll actually commit to uh, doing differently. Excellent. So how does all this change in the coming years? You know, there's been a lot of change in the last few years. You know, forecasting the future. <laughs> yeah, you look in your crystal ball. What do you see? Well, it's, you know, that is like uh, like in my uh, you know the coin part of my my car. There's a whole lot of change. So the idea of uh, you know what's ahead was a whole lot of the same stuff that we saw when you look in the rearview mirror. There's going to be change. Change if you're not going through it now. It is absolutely around the corner. And you know there's studies that that you know shown that 75 percent of companies plan on increasing the amount of change initiatives, and that over half of those will fail because they've not properly prepared their people for that change. Not just in terms of training, but in terms of mindset. And I think that that's where leaders oftentimes drop the ball and where I think staying coachable is so important is can you introduce to yourself first and to your team second those questions and that framework that's going to make change look like something that is going to be beneficial and positive uh, so we do stay greedy and grateful for the opportunities and the results it's going to bring. Excellent. And um, what does all this look like in a remote environment? <laughs> you know, I, and, and it's it's obviously something that I know is a huge part of every leader's kind of question boxes is, you know, how do I handle hybrid? How do I handle remote? What do we need to do differently? And, and, and the conversations I've had with leaders are really very, very similar. I think that we are honestly, Wade, going to eventually find you know where the pendulum was all in person and then obviously it swung very immediately and abruptly to all remote. I think you're going to find that hybrid is going to continue to be the future of work. There are going to be team members that you maybe have a chance to see once a year annually at an event to give people a chance to build connections that allow those virtual interactions to be more effective. I do believe that, that people are going to find that there are skill sets they can contribute without having to be in person on site. However, I absolutely believe that one of the key things that leaders must do is to give their people opportunities for connection 
and to appreciate not just the personalities and the strengths and the backgrounds and the challenges and the perspectives and the ideas that those unique and different individuals from diverse backgrounds can contribute, uh, but to give people a sense of belonging. Uh, there is a book by a friend of mine who's here in Georgia, also a speaker. The book is titled Connectable. And in that, you know, Ryan basically talks about that loneliness is kind of the next pandemic that you're going to see, that that sense of disconnection is something that leaders are seeing their results decline because people don't feel like a meaningful, significant part of something larger than themselves. And so I think that goes back to the idea of curiosity. Every single one of your meetings in person and absolutely remote or hybrid need to include two things before you get to the content. The first thing is, what are you celebrating? What are you giving people a chance to see progress on and to feel seen for having given effort towards? And the second thing is, how do you allow your people to connect? What are you allowing them to share just over a three to five minute period where they can feel a sense of connection or build a deeper relationship or strengthen that trust on the team that allows them to feel apart, even though they may not be there physically. Yeah, you know, the connection piece is so important. And, um, and if, you're not, if you're not skilled in the hybrid environment doing it, then you're, you are you're going to lose some stuff. Now, right. but, it, but it's interesting, you know, I've, I've been working in a hybrid environment uh, for probably 25 years. You know, you were far ahead of the curve. Yeah, we had manufacturing plants scattered all over the country. You know, we had offices scattered all over the world. You know, it's uh, it's not new. And so what's what's and this is me becoming the interviewer because this is always interesting to me, Wade. What is something that you took from those first twenty years of having that type of experience that's been unbelievably applicable in the last couple? You have to be intentional. You got to be. You know, it's. You know, it's great when you happen. In, you know, there were periods of time in my professional career where I did have people in the office. You know, um, maybe a small part of my team, and it's great that you can just walk down an office and say something, or you catch them in the hallway, or you have a random lunch. But when you're remote, you have to be intentional. You have to have planned meetings, planned encounters. You don't all have to be meetings. You can just put in your calendar. I'm going to call this person. Um, we have video now; it's even better. And but it's being really purposeful and intentional, don't you? and scheduling it on your calendar. You, you can absolutely put culture and connection on your calendar if you'll take the time to value that as much as the strategy that oftentimes we invest in. Yeah. Excellent. I have, I have one more question uh, before we get out of here, and that is, how do people find you? I appreciate you asking. We'd be thrilled for people to reach out. I would love to be a resource for any of the leaders who have been listening uh, and corrupted by some of the content today. Uh, you can find me online at greatresultsteambuilding.com. You can find me on LinkedIn at Sean Glaze, or you can go to Amazon for any of my books. Just look up Sean Glaze as an author. Uh, but whether it is for an event, whether it's just as somebody that might be able to share a couple of insights and, and advice for implementing some of the ideas we talked about today on the podcast, I'd be thrilled for you to reach out and uh, and let me know how I might be able to help you and your team. All right, excellent. We'll link all that up in the show notes as well. And uh, appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much, Wade. Enjoyed the conversation. And thank you for listening to the Aim to Win podcast. As always, follow us, like us, all those kind of things, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Until next week, go and make it happen. Mm-hmm.